Well, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of This Week in Hockey. And yes, the date has changed again because the NHL likes to change the schedule on us. What used to be a Wednesday show has been a Thursday show, has been a Tuesday show, and now it's a Friday night show, Joe Vitale. So we kick off the weekend right for Blues fans here on 101. We're flexible. We improv. That's what we do, Alex. A pro at improv. But we've never done this before. We've never had you on site when I've been on the road. You're in Vegas. Uh, I mean, incredible. Incredible. I'm watching a Vegas guy a fan down there you see the guy waving his flag he has been waving that flag since i got here at 11 15 so vegas golden knights practice the blues are on the ice now here at the practice facility in vegas the, the golden knights just got off the ice and we saw this guy he has a 25 foot pole <laughs> with a huge vegas golden knights flag and he has waved it since we walked in i just walked past him out so i asked him i go are do you get paid to do this when do you do this every practice and every game he's at every does game he get paid he does not get paid he just is a huge Huge fan. That's and like the people, forearms are the size of Popeye. That's like the people that stand outside Jimmy John's and wave the arrow around and point, you know, or they're like, oh, come on inside of this one right Freaky here. Fat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The you guys, uh, the, the, the state liberty tax yeah, people the with the dress up as yeah. the uh, Statue of Liberty and they're flipping the signs yeah. and just true pros when it comes down to it. But we are in Vegas, of course, the Blues in action tomorrow afternoon, which is a 3 o'clock puck drop in St. Louis, a 2 o'clock Mitsubishi Electric pregame show presented by First Community. Players hit the ice for warm ups. 2.30 BMW of West St. Louis pregame skate. Myself, Joe Vitale, Chris Kerber will have the call for you tomorrow afternoon. But of course, Joe, uh, the, the talk was the loss that took place last night to the Colorado Avalanche and a 7-3 final score. And when you look at the stat sheet, you're like, whoa, this was a rough one. But when you go into it a little bit deeper, special teams dictated that game well there were a couple things alex that in that game and, and the blues were right there it was a lot closer i know it sounds crazy when you look at a score sheet and see seven to three how can this guy be saying that it was a lot closer uh, than it was but it really was i mean the st louis blues gave up a goal late in that first period to nathan mckinnon on that breakaway at that point it's zero zero game out the blues were playing a great road period uh, nathan mckinnon gets on the board that was kind of a little bit of a deflator uh the second period the blues uh, got a little out of hand there they got down by three goals so you start thinking uh this could be a bad one but they battle back robert thomas on the wraparound a, a terrific shot for alex petrangelo on the power play they get back within one goal you feel the energy in the building curbs and i were calling the game and you hear the let's go blues chance and you felt something was brewing something was going again close jay bo takes that penalty late in the second period kale mccarr takes advantage of two goal game again heading into that third period another late goal and that really was the degasser where the blues really couldn't recover after that point but the two periods there the blues put themselves in a good position to get back in that game uh but the special teams as well uh colorado special team believe it or not their power play was actually uh on a little bit on a skid when the blues came in there but they went to work last night the most thing most impressive about their power play first of all was they're healthy lannisgog mckinnon rantanen all those guys kale mccarr they're all on that top unit everyone is healthy and the the puck movement that was just it really stood out to me last night nathan mckinnon and rantanen were playing catch with the scene it looked like what boston does on their power play doesn't it boom i mean the passes were like crisp and clean and right on the tape and the Blues couldn't really recover, and you see how quick puck movement really can disturb a penalty kill, and, and the Colorado Avalanche uh, power play last night was absolutely exceptional. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. it penalty kill, though, Wise Joe, and I talked about this on the post-game show last night, they've allowed a power play goal in five of their last six games, which is kind of uncommon for this team because they came into that game last night fifth-best penalty kill in the National Hockey League. They were incredible at the beginning of the season. Why do you feel like, or what are you seeing as why it's dropped off a little bit? Well, last night, I, I, for me, with the Colorado I'll just say that I thought that power play was just that good. I yeah. mean, they were that they were that equipped. They were winning faceoffs off the power play. You know, when the Blues are struggling on the kill, the one area you keep an eye on uh, seems to always be lacking is the winning that opening faceoff. You know, two minutes you got to kill. You're in the defensive zone. Opening faceoff, Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen, whoever's out there taking that draw, that is so important to win that opening draw for many reasons. First of all, you win the draw, you get a 200-foot clear from Alex Petrangelo. There's 25, 30 seconds right off the bat. You know, that's the top unit out there. They're already out there for 20 seconds before they even get it back to the offensive zone to set it up. And that's if they have a good entry. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it could be 35, 40 seconds. So the opening faceoff for me on the kill is so important. The Blues were not very good last night as far as those opening faceoffs. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, Ranton, and Landis Gog, they 
They were getting in there. They were winning those 50-50 battles. It wasn't necessarily just the centerman snapping them back. There were pucks 50-50 hanging around Ryan O'Reilly's feet where the avalanche on the winger side, they had the jump. Kadri jumped in on that second unit the one time, brought it back, and set up that one goal as well. So uh, face-offs are important, obviously, when you look at the penalty kill and the power play. Uh, but then I think, you know, you look at how good the avalanche were last night, the puck movement, and sometimes you got to tip your hat. Uh, Alex, because I thought the Blues were, were okay. I thought they could have been maybe a little bit more aggressive at times, but this is something Steve Ott doesn't want to stretch himself too far outside that box. I asked him about being aggressive earlier this season, and he said, really, it's just about picking your moments. The Colorado Avalanche PK last night, super aggressive. Yeah. They didn't really give the Blues a lot of chance to set up, and that's why Petro had to take advantage off that opening faceoff, because he knew at one point, if you start moving the puck around and start snapping around, it's so aggressive, you're not going to see a lot of passing execution and maybe grade-A opportunities. Uh, but Steve Bot is, is a big advocate uh, for this team as far as you, you want to go when you see backs. You want to go when you see the opponent team number. When the puck's jammed up against the wall, it's a fluttering puck, that's the time to go. But when they have full possession, that's when he wants his team to sit back. And um, you see the pluses and minuses of both of them. Well, and when you look at it, too, you look at the number seven and you say, boy, well, I hope there were two empty netters in this one. And, of course, they were all on Jordan Bennington without an empty net goal. But when you see that and when you see Jordan Bennington's night, do you think it's more of a concern or more of a anomaly? Because we haven't, I think we've seen one other game this season that he's been taken out of early. It was Toronto. Yeah. yeah. He got pulled in the Toronto game in that first period. And so this is the second time. And you know what? This is going to happen. I mean, this is goaltending in the National Hockey League, Alex. This is for fans out there who are worried. I mean, Jordan Bennington's going up against the best players in the world. Nathan McKinnon is no joke. Right. Uh, when Toronto was in town, you got Mitch Marner, Jonathan Tavares, you got Austin Matthews coming down. These are good players and they score goals and they're getting paid tens of millions of dollars <laughs> to do it. So Jordan Bennington had a little bit of an off night last night. Without question, he knows it. He understands it, but that's just what's going to happen in the National Hockey League when you're talking about good goalies. Look at Carey Price. I mean, Carey Price is on a basket. Pekka Rene, I watched him in that Winter Classic game the other day against the Dallas Stars. I mean, Leaky Puck's going yeah. through his armpits. It just, I mean, it's just kind of the way it goes sometimes. So when you look at it as a whole, a season as a whole, Jordan Bennington has been um, – there more often than not for the St. Louis Blues team. He's he's deserves a, a night off. He deserves to have a stinker of a game. I know he he allowed the four there in Arizona and then the seven in, in Colorado last night, and that's something that he wanted to get kind of right on that ship. But right now, I don't think there's any need for concern for Jordan Bennington. And sometimes, as a team, you know, I was talking to John Kelly about this this morning, Alex. Sometimes you gotta you need to kind of get punched in the nose. You, you gotta kind of get humbled in the sense where uh, you look at a game last night, you get punched. The Blues are looking at it now, like maybe not they're not the team to beat in the West. Maybe this is a situation where you look at the St. Louis Blues as now they're chasing the Colorado Avalanche. And sometimes it's not a bad situation. I mean, last year they chased for January and February and all of March in April to make a playoff spot. And so to, to some degree, I think it's healthy to have that adversity where you are chasing something or maybe there's a benchmark somewhere outside of yourself where you look at and think, wow, that is now the team to beat. Because it kind of gives you some motivation and, and incentive uh, to work, get to practice every day like we're watching the Blues skate yeah. around and zipping around right now. Some more incentive to get back to work in the season. Maybe I'm digging too deep on this one, Joe, so tell me if I am, but from a player's perspective, I think a game like last night is good to happen when the team is on the road because, you know, if you're at home, a 7-3 loss happens, you're in the locker room, you're silent, you walk away from it, you go home, and you don't see each other till the next day. A game like last night, you know, you get on the bus, you fly to your new city, you get to the hotel, you're communicating, you're talking, you're joking around, you're keeping it light after a tough night to where you shake it off and you get set for the next game. Certainly. I mean, the plane ride right after the game, you get right on the plane, you know, guys playing some cards and the camaraderie getting back into Vegas. I don't think a lot of guys went out last night, but you know what? They're going to have some time to get together here Saturday evening uh, to be a part of it and, and to get those stinkers out of the way on the road. I think it's certainly much better for your confidence when you're looking at uh, the St. Louis Blues and how well they played at Enterprise Center. You want to keep that confidence going. You want to make that a very tough building to play again. So that Toronto game, that, that was a bit of a, of a fuddle there for the St. Louis Blues. And you want to keep most of those on the road for that reason you just said. Well, we'll talk more about the game tomorrow afternoon. Of course, it's the Blues in Vegas Golden Knights, a 3 o'clock puck drop in St. Louis, a 2 o'clock Mitsubishi Electric pregame show presented by First Community. It's this week in hockey. Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you. We are in Las Vegas at the practice facility. The Blues are on the ice for the practice today we'll take a quick break and when we come back david perron 
not an all-star. We talk, we'll talk about this with Kelly Chase a little bit later on, but Joe and I will talk about the snub that uh, David Perron got from the all-star game next here on 101 ESPN. Well, welcome back to This Week in Hockey here on a Friday night. Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you before the Blues are in action tomorrow afternoon, a 3 o'clock puck drop here on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, a 2 o'clock Mitsubishi Electric pregame show presented by First Community. Players hit the ice for warm-ups at 2.30, and that's when our BMW of West St. Louis pregame skate takes place. Joined by Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, with us now. And, Kerbs, we talked a little bit about it. We teased a little that we were talking. Um, David Perron, of course, not in the all-star named players for the St. Louis Blues. We now know Craig Berube's the head coach, Alex Petrangelo, Jordan Bennington, Ryan O'Reilly, and Joey and I were talking about this as well. Surprised by this, especially when you got a player who leads his team in points. Well, the, the challenge... The, the challenge is if, you know, you're the Colorado Avalanche, you're second in the Central Division, you have one player, mm-hmm. and it's Nathan McKinnon, right? And and so, you know, they're, they're trying to put some votes in for Kel McCarr, obviously. You're the St. Louis Blues, and, yes, you get the benefit of it being in your hometown, so you're going to have more than the other team, but you've got three. You know, so I think if you're looking at it from a league standpoint, he doesn't have as many points as David Perron. But Ryan O'Reilly became not only just a media darling throughout the playoffs last year, but he's your Conn Smythe winner. He, right. He's a story that, that spans the trade from Buffalo to St. Louis. And he's your Selkie winner. And and I think that they looked at it and they said, okay, let's let's do this. And then the Perron's going to be the guy voted in. It's an imperfect system. Nobody will ever, I mean, even, even if it's the worst All-Star game in the history of All-Star games, which is the Pro Bowl, no, no one is ever going to be happy with, with the selections. And, you know, I hope David Perron gets voted in for his sake. I think it'd be great. His kids are old enough to, to understand what's going on. I think that'd be terrific. And, and hopefully the fans vote him in. But I can completely understand the decision-making process. There you go with the perspective again, Curbs. I'm yeah, sorry here, about that. I'm sitting here thinking this this is David Perron's. Uh, it's his choice. Absolutely. It's in St. Louis. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He may never be in this position again in the rest of his career. I mean, right. I mean, he could be, but he may not be. Compare that to Kale McCarr, who's a young player in this league. And I think he has plenty of All-Star games ahead of them. So I'm thinking it from that perspective. But you know what? You make a really good point. The Colorado Avalanche, uh, the team we saw last night, wow. I mean, one of the best now in the National Hockey League. They're slowly a little bit behind the St. Louis Blues now in the standings. But the fact that they only have one, that is a terrific point. To me, Alex, I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel as if the story alone, I think it's it should be David Perron's. I mean, leading the Blues in points, uh, he, he's not... Uh, He's not there, and the fact that, you know, you look at his career and he may not be there again, it's in St. Louis, Stanley Cup champion, uh, I don't know. I, to me, it would be a great story, but yeah. I don't know. I, I would be – I'd have been perfectly fine if they would David Perron instead of Ryan O'Reilly uh, in, in the same in the same way. When they decide to do the last man in voting thing, and I'm not a huge fan of that process, to be honest with you. you the, know, player, the, the players don't like it either. No, no. The, because, the players don't like the fan voting? No. No, they, they really don't, and that's something that they'll have to address from a CBA standpoint down the road here. you know. But but look at this. I mean, the, the, again, the Blues have the three. Kale McCarr kind of deserves to be there right now. When you're talking about a rookie at 21 years of age that is one of only five NHL rookie defensemen in the history of the game mm-hmm. to hit 29 points in their first 30 regular season games, that's, I mean... In yep. the history of the game, that is telling you something. So, you know, I, I think that the – I think Kale McCarr having to go through the voting process, while fine because he's a rookie, mm-hmm. right, and, and all that. So I, I get it. He, I agree with you completely. He's going to get to plenty of them, right? I actually think that might be more of a snub, to be honest with you, with Colorado Kale only McCarr. having the one. Well, and I if, think – If I'm being blunt, like brutally honest. Well, I, and I would like to see Kale McCarr there and for the reason that it's a three-on-three game. And this kid can skate. I mean, no disrespect to David Perron. It's just, it's just very different. I mean, Kale McCarr, when there's open space, the way he skates, you know, uh, it was Derek England when I was talking to him last time when they played Kale McCarr in the Colorado Avalanche the day before we got here. And he said he skates like Nicholas Lindstrom. He, he to me, is going to be the next Nicholas Lindstrom. So when you have a three-on-three game, how it opens up like that, I think from a fan's perspective, even St. Louis or even outside St. Louis, I think you can see the excitement level when, when a Kale McCarr could be in that game. Here's the, here's the question for you. If David Perron gets voted in, and again, fans need to go to NHL.com slash vote, and you can vote up to 10 times a day to get him in, and that's a uh, it's a great adjustment by the league so we don't have the shenanigans of the Rory Fitzpatricks and the 
and the John, John Scotts Scott. and stuff make it, making the All-Star game when, when they don't belong there. The uh, If you're Craig Berube, you're in the third period of Who the championship game, okay? <laughs> you're tied for whatever reason. Somehow, somehow this, this game ends up tied. You know the success that O'Reilly Perron and <laughs> Petrangelo, <laughs> who have been pretty much the killer trio in the NHL this season, three on three. This is assuming Bennington's in that, too. This is four. Could be oh Bennington my gosh. In <laughs> you're in St. Louis. If you're Craig Berube, do you put that grouping on the ice? I think the you first game, to. you have to start those four. Oh, yeah. I think you have to. That's exactly who starts. And, and I think that. you got to start McKinnon. I think, don't you? Have, you have to start the captain. You got to start, oh, start the captain. Yeah. I don't know how that rule goes because I don't know how the start is. But but it's up. Right. Like but think of forget starting when the game's on the line. Knowing you know those guys all that well, oh, you would do that a hundred percent. Like yeah. that yeah. would that. And imagine what the roar would be like in St. Louis for that of Craig Berube. Ryan O'Reilly, Alex Petrangelo, David Perron, and Bennington all in the eye. I mean, it would just be incredible. And, you know, I want to continue the conversation that we had a couple of games ago. Uh, we talked about it on our 618 show. You know, Joe, you talked a lot about how, from the players' perspective, the All-Star games getting ki- got, are gotten kind of stale. What needs to happen, in both of your opinions, to build the All-Star game back up? Is it incentive of... I don't know, some type of playoff scenario, which I think would never work. Mm-hmm. Is it incentive for the player side, or are we ever going to see that? I, I, I'll let Curbs maybe take the all-star game. I, I was talking to Petrangelo about the skills competition, yeah. and that has become so watered down. He told me that players are in the concourse with family five minutes before they need to be on the ice. Really? No one's even stretching. It's become kind of a joke. Wow. I would like to see it be simplified. I think the hardest shot was great. I think maybe the fastest lap. Uh, and then the and then the target shooting, the target the, shooting, the four targets yeah. and the four corners, and maybe just keep it at that. I mean, the shenanigans with the three on zero and the shootout, and the shootout, you got Superman, you got PK Subban, looks like Yager, and I, I don't know. To me, it's a, it's such a circus yeah, now. Yeah. I think it's really gotten away from the actual skills competition. You know, the one that I really liked though, and this this goes back to when the Sedin brothers were playing, and I remember watching it on television. It was kind of like a triathlon of them all, where you had, uh, you know, one set here where you had to lob the puck over a barrier, you had another one where you had to get it into nets accuracy passing and then you had to go to the fastest skating and then end up with the accuracy shot i thought that was pretty cool to kind of divvy it up and put players through a little gauntlet yeah you know i, I just feel like that, that that's what makes it watered down really now. Like, okay. yeah and the players do too and you know there's so many different courses now and and, and different tracks where you got to do a certain angle and then you get a shot and then you're with these different line mates and you got to come on the goalie and and the players are just i i think the point is, if the players aren't into it, the mm-hmm. fans won't be into it either. Right. And if, if, I think you got to figure out a way to get get the players back into it. Because um, what we saw in was it Columbus? That game in Columbus was that's just where atrocious. the format changed. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. He's with Joe Vitale and yours truly, Alex Ferrario, here at the practice facility for the Golden Knights. We'll take a quick break on this week in hockey. We'll come back. Curves will talk a little more All Star Game next here on 101 ESPN. Back in on this week in hockey here on a Friday night. Blues and Golden Knights in action tomorrow. Of course, we are in the month of January, and the All-Star Game makes his way to St. Louis at the end of this month. And Curbs, Chris Kerber joins Joe Vitale and myself to talk more about the All-Star Game. I think I'm all for less gimmicks. Um, I, I think I'd like to see more players involved in certain skill competitions rather than just having three or four. You know, Ryan O'Reilly said that he hasn't done the the accuracy shooting. Yep. He wants to do it. Jordan Bennington told me he actually wants to do the accuracy shooting content. Let's put wow. a goaltender in. That would there. be awesome. I mean, let's. You got a Ben Bishop, a Jake Allen. Let's let's put one of those guys in there. And that's not gimmicky. Those handling the puck is a skill mm-hmm. of a goalie. For me, it's just going to come down to guys got to care mm-hmm. uh, and. The reason you're in three on three, for those that don't remember, is the five on five, and and I'll I'll hang it on the shoulders of Dustin Bufflin and the others. And the reason is it's the Dustin Bufflin play that I remember. Is their five on five? He's skating towards the wall and just reaches back with his stick to try and defend. And I'm going this. The All Star game that year was more of an eyesore for the league than a demonstration of the skill of the players. I like the three-on-three, but you had to get rid of the John Scott fiascos and those kind of things in there. I mean, good for John Scott that he was named an MVP of an all-star game. 
what the heck is John Scott being named an MVP of an All-Star game for in all reality? I mean, right. come on. That, that, that makes that's, that's, that's not good for the National Hockey League. It took a mockery and then justified the mockery. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. no good. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think and, I, and I've said this on the air, Joe, the players were the one that when the league said we want to try three on three, the players said, okay, the only way we're going to do this is if uh, we get a bye week. Yeah. So because you decided to leverage that into something in your favor, you got to care more in this game. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see even a little more speed and a little more go get it. Now, maybe that means that in the in the All-Star game, and I actually I wouldn't mind seeing this five-on-five five, in, in the regular season, to be honest with you. Once at three-on-three three, a team enters the zone, they can't leave the zone with possession of the puck. Say that again? So in three-on-three... When a team enters the zone, enters the offensive zone. So you can't go back into the neutral you zone. You can't just drag oh, it back okay. out and kill time that to way get and your come position. back in. you got to attack. That's a good idea. I wouldn't mind yeah. seeing a, a let, twist or something let like that. Let me ask you guys this then, because uh, I, I had this conversation with Bernie Federko a couple weeks ago talking about the All-Star game, and he said he would like to see it go back to the East versus West. But rather than that, Amy and I talked about this last year on This Week in Hockey. What if you went to the North America versus the world? I've seen it, and it's been done. Uh, the NHL did it, I think, and then we did it in the American League a couple years, and it, it was awful. Really? And I was, and it, was, it was bad. And because what you're trying to do is you're trying to – you're trying to – you're doing what Major League Baseball did. Right. You're trying to make a game count that shouldn't count, and it never worked the way it should. Right. Okay? You're trying to create something that truly just isn't there. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to – I mean – Look, I mean, you put you put Draper and you put Malpia, you know, against Lemieux on one side or the other, yeah. and make it happen. Like, mm-hmm. it, look, it is what it is. You just want to make sure that you just showcase some of that great skill, and the league has a lot of great skill. Mm-hmm. So, I think the three on three right now is the best way to showcase that skill. Well, I think you know, to Curbs's point. When you lose the players, then you're going to lose the fans. Like, if the players don't want to be a part of it, then, then the fans don't want to be a part of it. And and to me, then, the question is, how do you make the players more motivated to care is what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And I will tell you from a player's perspective, when you hear All-Star break or bye week, the players care about two things. They care about their family, and they care about a good location to spend time with their family. Yeah. That's it. That's all they care about. That's why guys go to Hawaii. That's why guys go to the Bahamas. Or Disney World. Disney World. <laughs> Vegas, you know. So, to me, um, I don't know. Maybe over the next few years, and over the next CBA, and that's something Petrangelo said. He goes, if it's if it's in Vegas every single year, he even said Obi would come every single year. Yeah. So I mean, do you Good do point. you just make it a destination every year like the NFL did? And we talked about this a little bit on the air too uh, of a Pro Bowl situation where they go to Hawaii every year and stick with that week long break where you're. Yeah. I don't know if the Pro Bowl was in, is in Cincinnati if you're going to get a lot of uh, Pro not. Bowlers. To but, go but you to know Cincinnati. what? I'll, and I'm going to defend the players from this standpoint. You're, you're the St. Louis Blues. You do not have three days in between games at all this year. The only three days in between games that you schedule. have it's a is tough schedule. the Christmas break where the league made you travel until 5.30 in the morning on the 24th and then have to leave at 7 a.m. on the 27th. And then this the week off leading into the, the All-Star game. Colorado has like 11 days off around that break. The Blues have eight. Right, and and so that's that, that's just kind of the that's that, that's just kind of the way that it that that works there. I I can completely understand with the grind of the season, not just physically but equally mentally on these players. I can understand where if guys have the option to attend or not attend, they don't. But if you're going to put on the event and you're going to make it part of the CBA then the players have to be in it. And to make it worth the while, the, the, the best of the best have to have to be there. And, like, I, let, let's face it. I mean, I Ryan O'Reilly throwing a puck back to Nathan McKinnon again. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. seeing – I mean, the one we were talking about, I mean, what if what if you're in the West, right, and you had Drew Doughty and, and Matthew, Matthew Kachuk on the same team? Yeah. yeah. Okay? That's the storyline I want to see. That's yeah. awesome. Real quick before we wrap up, quick trivia for you, and let's see if you can get this, Curbs. Uh-oh. By the way, I'm really bad at this. Well, the last time I did trivia, I I ruined the date. Joey ruined it for me. Thanks, Joe. Uh, The last All-Star game, of course, was 1988 in St. Louis. Who was the lone blue representative? In 1988. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm not going to go Hully because that was the year that the Blues traded for him. Um. Oof. I looked this up the other day, which is why I wanted to ask him the because it's crazy. The lone all-star in 1988. Uh, 
Forward or defenseman? Defenseman. Uh, I don't know. Rob Ramage. Uh, that would have been an easy guess. I should have gone that route. I, I, I looked it up because I'm like, well, Federico had to be in it, right? Is that the I'm year like, Mariel well, scored like four goals? Yeah, I think so. The MVP, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, Federico's got to be in it. I'm like, well, maybe not. And I looked it up and I said, Rob Ramage was the only St. Louis Blue representative? Ramrod. First overall pick for the Colorado yeah. Rockies. Car Ramrod. And then two, two, two years later, they became the New Jersey Devils. There Look at go. that. There you go. See? Curbs just Curbs just upped my trivia yeah. with no, his no, no. trivia. No, I'm just no, we're just uh, just throwing a little No, that's cool. How about the fact that when you go to Calgary and and they still have the names of all the cha- of the championship team that won the cup there. I think John Kelly and I counted. I can't remember if it was 11 or 12 people or players that were involved with the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. And we're, we're talking about even going back to Fletcher in the early days with the St. Louis Blues and, and Glenn Hall to Al McKinnis and, and those guys. I mean, it, uh, the Blues ended up playing a pretty huge role. Yeah. I guess they played a huge role in a lot of Stanley Cups over the years. <laughs> now they got one yeah. of their own. Yeah. Now they can play. do that. Oh, that guy won. That guy won. But this was a lot of, a right. lot of people on that yeah. team. Curbs, always great to talk with you, especially when we're in Vegas. Can't wait to uh, be up in the booth with both of you tomorrow afternoon. Great staff here at the McKenzie River Powerhouses, uh, the, the restaurant here. If you get a chance to come on and watch some hockey here at, at the practice facility, uh, Renee. Uh, part of the wait staff is uh, doing a terrific job helping us out. So thanks to them for uh, being very hospitable. Yep. It's like like we're right smack dab back in the Midwest again. I like it. Bam. That's what we like to thanks, see. Curbs. We'll take a quick break here on This Week in Hockey. We'll come back with more. Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario with you here on 101 ESPN. Final time here on the first hour of This Week in Hockey. Still another hour to get to Joe Vitale and I will continue. Kelly Chase will join us here in Las Vegas. Of course, we are preparing for tomorrow afternoon's game between the Blues and Golden Knights, so we'll do a little preview of that in just a bit. And, Joe, as we're sitting here and we're watching this practice, we, we look out onto the rink, and after a, a really heavy practice so far for the guys doing line rushes and doing some battle drills, Craig Berube just had a uh, at least a 10-minute conversation with the guys in front of the penalty box with the clipboard, the drawing board up there. Uh, give me an idea of player perspective. What's going on there? Well, he, you know, Craig Berube had a little bit of a meltdown uh, about 20 minutes ago curb or excuse me alex as we were talking to curbs uh about some sort of drill that wasn't being executed properly and and that's been the biggest thing right now for the blues you look at the arizona game you look at what happened last night in colorado it wasn't a matter of will it wasn't a matter of x's and o's it was just a matter of focus and executing properly and that execution comes in practice now the blues haven't had a lot of practice given the schedule the curbs and i were talking about that that's your time for your reps that's where you work out the kinks that's where you you make sure the passes are executed properly that's where you work on the goalie defense exchange and getting out of the defensive zone as a group uh, the blues have not had a chance to practice very often they do have a practice here right now and we we are watching it, Alex, and, and to me, Craig Berube did not see enough with the execution aspect of the practice where he stopped it, he was barking at the guys. It doesn't look like I see any blood on the ice, so I think all the Blues players are actually okay and healthy, which is a positive sign. But this is something that, as a head coach, you know, you're not here to be their best friends. That Leave that job to the assistant coaches. The head coach has got to be the guy in charge. You've got to help these players understand when things are going good. But more importantly, you've got to help these players understand when things are going very, very poor. And the execution right now, the focus and the refocus for this team over the last two games has not been sharp enough. And to me, that was Craig Berube taking 10 minutes aside to really just break down uh, what needs to improve and how the execution and the focus and the discipline and practice has to be better because you see how it can carry over into a game. Well, and we have some shakeup, at least for the lines. Offensively, uh, it looks like we've hit the point where Shannon Schwartz are broken up, Joe, because we saw on this one when they're practicing, Schwartz was with O'Reilly and Perron while Shen was skating with Thomas and Bozak. You know, and that's an interesting one there, too, Alex. You know, that you need more productive scoring out of the top two lines uh, always. And, you know, if, if it was getting a little bit stale there with the O'Reilly and Perron, they tried going with the Sunquist, and they tried Sanford last night. Uh, something wasn't quite working out for uh, Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron with either of those combinations. So then you go 
back down through the Jaden Schwartz and the Braden Shens and the Tyler Bozaks. I, I like uh, the, the Braden Shen and Tyler Bozak for the sense that they're good friends. They hang out a lot outside of the rink. They have a good Saskatoon uh, relationship as the far Sasky as boys. the Sasky boys have grown up together. So, you know, hopefully spark a little bit of magic. Uh, I'm not sure where Zach Sanford fits in there. You know, he got into the game last night in Colorado. Uh, I didn't love his game. I think uh, he could have been a little bit sharper, especially on that back check that kind of was highlighted there on the Kadri goal in the third period that really just put the, the avalanche over the top. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, continuing to adjust lines has been something that Craig Berube has done very well of all year. Yeah, well, and it kind of goes back to a little bit of two fourth lines that, that he's using for guys that we've seen play on those fourth lines in the last couple of years, Joe. Uh, Steen, Sundquist, and Barbashev were skating together. McEachern, De La Rose, and Sanford. And, you know, one thing when you talk about Craig Berube, he doesn't change the lines up that much. He sticks to consistent players sticking with each other. And, you know, he talked about it about a week ago. You know, you like to do those pairs, O'Reilly, Perron, Shen, Schwartz, Thomas, and Bozak. But, unfortunately, he's tried numerous different players with Shen and Schwartz and nothing's really clicked to get these guys going. Yeah, you know, you, you need to get those guys going on a more consistent basis. The power play's been good for Schwartzy and, and for Braden Shen, but from a 5-on-5 five five perspective, it, it does have to be better, and that's when you just go back to the well and you try to figure out what combinations uh, might go well. I know he likes going with those pairs. You mentioned it. Uh, he sticks with those, especially look at Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, how good they've been. To me as a player... Um, you're looking at a, at a coach who does that, and you better be sharp every night, and you better not take your foot off the gas. And I think that's the kind of the mindset that Craig Berube is trying to deliver to some of these young players, Oscar Sundquist, Zach Sanford, Sammy Blay when he comes back. Don't get comfortable being with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron because if you start slipping up even one or two games, boom, you're back off. We're going to find someone else who can do the job. So that's the accountability factor I think that Craig Berube is, is putting not only to words but to action when you see – combinations he's going with well and i think you're also trying to find a little bit of a spark there too aren't you joe not just from the shannon schwartz pairing but you know o'reilly braun have, have been solid this season but there have been games where they've been silent i think you're looking for more of that consistency and honestly i think the one player we've seen it from at least in this last seven to ten game span has been robert thomas yeah man he was a stud last again night in colorado and you know he he's an interesting player alex because uh, he he is playing the system of Craig Berube. Uh, he doesn't want to all the time. It's yeah. never something he's always done. He's never been a chipping in, grinded out player. Going back uh, to his to his days in Canada and then the World Juniors and then the OHL, um, you know, winning the Memorial Cup. He, he is a player who likes to flash. He's a player that makes the behind the back plays. He, he he's he's a dazzler when you mm-hmm. watch him in the offensive zone. Now he's had to make a big adjustment under Craig Berube because that is not Craig Berube's style. But I think Robert Thomas is finding a really good balance right now where he is playing that grinded out uh, hard on the walls, uh, win your 50-50 puck battles, get to the net. He's playing that game, and he's almost kind of uh, really developed that game a lot where now he can kind of fall back to kind of go back to his old ways a little bit under control. Everything's within balance. Of course, you can't be a turnover machine now in the offensive zone, but he hangs on to the pucks very well. He shields it very well. But every now and then you'll see him make just a crazy little chance behind the back. The, the problem with Robert Thomas right now that I found uh, from watching the bird's eye view that I have every game, uh, he makes those uh, incredible passes where you just don't know how he sees his line mates. Mm-hmm. It's catching the defenseman off guard. It's catching the entire opponent off guard. But it's also catching his wingers off guard, right? You know what I mean? Because you're playing out there with Tyler Bozak, who's used to that chip it in, uh, simplified style of hockey. And every now and then you're going to get a pass from uh, Robert Thomas out of nowhere. It's almost like, um, you know, players when they play with Mario Lemieux, Jeremy Auger told us once, he goes, whenever you're playing with Mario, you just had to be ready for the puck at all times. And that's something now that we're starting to see with Robert Thomas when he's got the puck on a stick. If you're out there with him, if you're a defender, if you're on his right wing or his left wing or wherever, Always expect a puck because you never know when he can see you. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, another aspect with this one, too, Joe, is uh, the speed factor. And I heard you and, and Curbs talk about this last night against the Colorado Avalanche. You know, Sanford, I thought, had a really good game last night. But it was apparent that that speed wasn't on the ice in the element that you've had with Jordan Cairo. And, you know, he's played on the top line. He's dropped down to the fourth line. And he's still been somewhat effective for Craig Berube. Do you see a scenario where he gets back into the lineup? I, I do. I do because I think they missed his speed last night. And, and to me, Alex, I thought you, know, you mentioned uh, Jaden Schwartz and Braden Chen. I thought Jordan Cairo was a great spark for those guys. Uh, yeah. You know, I, and in some ways. I they was were little, clicking with him. Yeah. And I was a little bit surprised. I understand why Craig Berube did it. But I, I am surprised by it because you look at Jordan Cairo and how he's played. Now, Craig Berube went with Zach Sanford. And he went with him for a couple of reasons. You go with Zach Sanford because he's got the size. He's got the experience playing in these 
playoff-like atmospheres like he did all last postseason and certainly what Colorado Avalanche game was last night. So you go for the size factor. You go from the defending standpoint that Zach Sanford uh, under Craig Berube has earned more trust as far as understanding how to defend and the flexibility. Oscar Sundquist was with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. And, you know, if that started to dry up, Craig Berube told me in the morning before the game even started that at some point he may give Zach Sanford a bump back up to that original line that was so successful last year in the postseason. So you understand why Zach Sanford was put in. I think they were in for good reasons. And, you know, looking at it, it was a really good idea. But I, I, I do think we missed a little speed last night in Colorado. I thought Colorado was faster. I thought they were on the hunt more. Uh, I think Jordan Cairo is starting to uh, really kind of not only bring his speed, but he's starting to hang on the pucks a little bit. He's starting to kind of feel what what it's Getting like confidence. to be here. This is the Blues mm-hmm. system. This is the identity. This is our family. This is our culture. And this is how we do things here. I think Jordan Cairo is starting to figure that out. I, I'd be surprised if we don't see him back in the lineup tomorrow. Is size or speed more important against Vegas? You know, that's a good question. You know, to me right now, I think it's size. Yeah. I, I do think when Zach Sanford, Always size. When Zach Sanford's on his game, I think he is perfect for a Vegas and a Colorado game mm-hmm. because he's big. He's got a long reach. He protects the puck. He gets to the net. He He's a threat in the offensive zone, and I think he's got more trust for Craig Berube where more times than not he understands how to manage the puck and, and when to make a play and when to chip it in. Jordan Cairo's still very young. He's still trying to learn that and figure all that out, which is something that just comes with time. So when you look at Vegas, they're a team. They remind you of Colorado. They remind you of St. Louis. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. They have depth. They have scoring. They have defensemen to get up in the rush. They have terrific goaltending. But they can also beat you by being physical. Look at Ryan Reeves. That whole fourth line is uh, carrier is it's, it's exceptional as far as the physicality mm-hmm. um, aspect of things. So for the for that reason and that reason alone, I would think that a heavier player would be more suited for a game like Vegas tomorrow night. Now, again, when Zach Sanford's on his game, it looks great, and he can play that physical, big-style, playoff-style game. But when it's not, that's when you kind of look over your shoulder thinking, man, it would be nice to have Jordan Cairo in a game. Since we started this segment, Joe, talking about Craig Ruby having this conversation and just kind of setting the tone for the players after a couple of games where they struggle, I would expect a big response from this team tomorrow, especially when you look at the season overall, and even dating back to the second half of last year, it was rare that you saw consecutive or three consecutive games where they were just bad. And the Arizona Coyotes, when I don't think they were bad, they were just off, missed some chances. Colorado was a bad game. I would expect to see them try and right the ship rather than continue down a, a peak rather than a valley. Some some games you play bad and you win. Some games you play very good and, and you, you lose. lose. Some games you play very good and you win. I mean, it's just the way that the, the hockey is. I don't know if they're going to win or lose tomorrow, but I know one thing. Whether they win or they lose, I think they're going to leave that building feeling good about their game mm-hmm. based off of what we've seen over the last two games, the one in Arizona, a bit of a stinker, even though they were still in that game close to the end, but especially in Colorado. I mean, two games back-to-back with the execution. It, it's not so much about the wins and losses, Alex, as we know. No, it's about how you play. It's about your approach to the game, your focus to the game, where you're at before the game. Uh, And and to me, Craig Berube has not seen enough uh, in that aspect of things, uh, enough where he's going to come out here in a practice and call out some of his players and he's going to be all feisty, slamming a stick. He's wanting change. He needs change. Something needs to be done to turn this ship around because from a how-are-you-playing standpoint, it, it really is just not good enough right now for the St. Louis Blues. That's Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is this week in hockey here on a Friday night as we are in Las Vegas at the practice facility for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back next hour. We got Kelly Chase with us talking a little alumni all-star game action that will be in St. Louis. And we will also get into the best and worst jerseys of the decade. So we'll talk about all of that as we continue for this week in hockey here on 101 ESPN. Second hour of this week in hockey. Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you here on a Friday night. Make sure you stick around after our show tonight because John Kelly, good old JK, has behind the bench, as you'll hear from Craig Maru, you'll hear from Jordan Bennington, a couple of other conversations coming your way. That comes your way tonight from 8 until 9 o'clock. And, of course, the Blues in action tomorrow afternoon against the Golden Knights. 3 o'clock puck drop, 2 o'clock Mitsubishi electric pregame show presented by First Community. And Joe and I, uh, of course, in Vegas at the practice facility. And, Joe, I, 
you didn't you didn't play in the World Juniors, correct? I never did, and I was never very. Did good. you want to play in? <laughs> I was never very good. Come on now, <laughs> the pride of CVC. Uh, um, no, I never had the option. I never had the option to go. Did I, you want to go? Oh, I would love really? to. Really, love to represent the country, and it's such a great tournament. The energy. I, mean, I love watching the tournament because it's a good break halfway through the NHL season, and it's perfect for a fan because. This is like, you know, the December blues, and now January, the rut of the season. Hockey's starting to kind of fade a little bit. You see the guys, the, the games are getting a little sloppy. Players are getting a little exhausted. It's it's the winter blues of it all. And and then you have this awesome tournament yeah. that's happening where the energy's high. It's a physical game. You see young kids playing with passion. You see prospects from kids across the National Hockey League. Everyone, all eyes on them. It's a great tournament. No, I never had a chance to play it, but I do love watching it. It's so funny, too, to be able to talk to the guys who did play in it in the locker room and get their thoughts because those guys watch it too like you like you think guys in the nhl like oh i'm past the world juniors no like they care about it it's about as much as they care about when the olympics are going on or the world tournaments are going on and you're seeing canada you're seeing russia i know vladi tarasenko had a bet a couple of years ago with uh with patrick berglund and yori latera because of russia and playing sweden and those so these guys care about it just as much as we do it's the pride of their country i mean it's right up there next to the olympics which, which is really cool for these guys though is that during the Olympics, some of these players are playing, so it's a little bit different. But now you're looking at young, aspiring players from your country that are up and coming, and then so you're you're voting for your country. Of course, you're voting for, and you're rooting for all the younger lads across the country. And then you're you're, you're rooting for the prospects in your organization as well. So it's just there's so much to watch, and and just the – when you look at a young athlete, uh, just their ability to have that passion and, and bring it to the game is what just makes it so exciting. And that's what is, is so intriguing about a lot of these players and just the potential. I mean, the, the sheer potential yeah. of some of these guys. Uh, you know, it's a lot of fun probably for Doug Armstrong and people in hockey ops because you watch a kid play in, in, in junior. You watch a kid play in college or, or maybe at the national development program. And then you draft them, and then you see them kind of. This is kind of their first taste of the main stage, right? You know, maybe they go to the O, maybe they're they're in college or whatever. But th- those are a, a great leagues in their own right. But this is in, in, in front of all the best in the world right now. So how do they compare? How do they size up uh, with all these NHL draft picks? And uh, that's what makes it so. You fun. know, what's better than the O in all of this. Being the captain at Northeastern, three years, three years captain uh, at Northeastern. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? My wife and I were joking around the other day, and I said, "You know, Joe went to Northeastern." She goes, "Northeastern's not a place." She went to Northwestern. Nope. I said, "Do you listen to our show?" She goes, "Yeah." He went to Northwestern. I said, "I don't know why you think Northeastern isn't a place, but it's a place." And we looked it up. Northwestern's in the Northwestern. That's what. And the Northeastern's in my wife's horrible at geography. It's it's incredible too. Women struggle with geography. I don't understand it. My wife struggles. Really? Yes. Like how bad? Like I don't know where Oklahoma is. Bad. Um. Well, I mean, it's not just geography. It's just like landmarks too. She's like, Joe, remember when we were in Italy the other day? What was it? The Pentagon we went to? I was like. (laughs) You mean Pantheon? <laughs> yes, that close enough. I know. And then she didn't need. She needed. She didn't think two years ago she needed a passport to go to Cancun because Cancun was in Florida. <laughs> so hopefully my wife's not listening. God, I love you, Bree. Okay. That's fantastic. <laughs> no, I know. I, I joke with my wife all the time. I said, sooner or later, I'm going to buy you a shower curtain that is the United States. <laughs> so while you're showering, you can re- memorize where places truly are in I our country. Geography. I geography. do too. We mean world geography. It's geography better. and history. I love it. We all know you love history. Yes. Well, of course the world juniors, and there's a local flair with that too. Uh, and I know you and I, Joe, you know, we don't pay as much attention to it because we have a really full season to talk about with the Blues, but Nikita Alexandrov, a Russian prospect that the Blues drafted last season, and then a goaltender, Joel Hoffer, a goaltending prospect that the Blues drafted. Both have played Joel Hoffer was a backup for Canada. Canada got routed by Russia. Hoffer gets the chance to play against Germany, and he wins that game for him, which is fun to talk about, as well as Nikita Alexandrov, who's putting up points. Oh, yeah, and he stifled Slovakia. Now they're on the way to the semis. And uh, I don't think the Blues have a goaltending situation no. anymore Thank for God. a long time. <laughs> I mean, Jordan Bennington, Jake Allen, maybe one of the best one-two punches in the National Hockey League. Right now, uh, don't forget about Billy Huso, who's yep. down in the minors, who is an incredible prospect. And now you got this Joel Hoffer kid who's playing terrific hockey on the main stage and under the big the big light. So uh, goaltending, not an issue right now for the St. Louis Blues. I know they're really high up on him. Uh, you know, in the Russian kid, I know I was speaking to Dave earlier about this, uh, two-way centerman yeah. with speed. I mean, to me, uh, what what more can you ask for as far as a prospect? Uh, they're not they're getting away from uh, the speedy, young, flashy forwards. I mean, under 
this organization, uh, they see this coach right now in Craig Brewery being here for a long time. And to draft a player and to have that player become successful, uh, you need to have a two-way game. Mm-hmm. you got to have a two-way game. you got to have a two-way game under your belt, and this is what this young Russian kid represents. Well, and real quick, as, as we take a quick break here, and then we'll get to Kelly Chase with us here, Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario with you. We saw the uh, the heat of World Junior Tournament. Barrett Hayton uh, not taking his helmet off uh, during the national anthem for Russia, and Russia, Russian players took exception to that, and he had to come out with a public apology. I'm really not on board with the public apology for that. Like, these are kids. It's a learning experience, although I do understand where the Russian players were coming from. I thought, you know, Barrett Hayden, he, he did a great job explaining where he was coming from. I think it needed to be said. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I agree with you, Alex. These are kids. My goodness gracious. I remember Clem Kostin last year uh, at this exact oh, same yeah. tournament. He was pissed about the medal, and he was kind of a little bit pouty. Um, these are kids. I mean, they're learning. This this is this is part of why we love the tournament, right. because you see the raw emotions of it and, and, and how you do it. Now, I know I do think keeping your helmet on during a national anthem is, is appropriate. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. I'm not arguing that fact. But I can also see from a player's perspective, I mean, you just got thumped. Uh, you're, they're playing the, the national anthem from the team that just beat you in Russia. Uh, maybe one of the last things on my mind is to take off my helmet. I'm probably just thinking about the game or maybe what the questions I need to ask yeah. after the game for the media. I mean, there's a lot going on in a young kid's mind. Uh, he's going to make mistakes. And I, I yeah. thought I thought his response was great and a uh, good learning experience and good learning moment for everyone. Well, it's still a fun tournament that you could pay attention to and check out some of the small prospects. We'll come back with Kelly Chase, talk about the alumni game that will be taking place in St. Louis next here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. Well, welcome back to This Week in Hockey here on a Friday night, and we are in Las Vegas. Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale back with you, and we are joined now by Kelly Chase, number 39, the pride of the Blues alumni, of course, the big group here in St. Louis that continues to grow and a uh, really entertaining alumni game coming up with this All-Star break. But, Chaser, more importantly, it's great to see you here in Vegas, buddy. It's it's awesome to be here. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, you were talking about, I, I, about being a part of the, the excitement of an alumni game, I think for me, um, the fact that, I won't be able to slow the pace of the game down because I'm not playing in it. It'll probably be as exciting for anybody as anything. And I just find out that Joe can't play, so for sure it's going to be slow down. But at least nobody's got to keep their head up. Well, and the chirping. I saw the chirping on Twitter letting Paul Bissonette know what's going to be happening once he shows up here. Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, you know I, and I know him and Cam Jansen have had a lot of good tilts before. And, uh, and... To be honest with you, uh, Cam has. I got to tell you, Cam said, "Hey, he's got the better of me a few times." So uh, he said, "I got a, I got a score to settle with Biz." So I said, "Well, I, you handle the small stuff, and I'll, I'll take care of the bigger stuff." Cam Chaser in your prime. Okay, we're looking at two fighters, as you know, very different styles. Cam, short, stocky, uh, stouty. He's got those short, not short arms, but he was a guy that would want, want to take the fight to two, two and a half, three minutes. He wanted to go the distance with you. He kind of grabbed you like Ty Domi brought you in versus a Paul Bissonette, where he's got those long monkey arms. Man, right. I play with Paul. I mean, his right. arms were right. super stretched out you couldn't get to the inside of him in your prime who would you rather fight biz biz yeah i, I like to go lo- the longer it went the better a chance i had of doing well uh that isn't why cam was just t- cam's a tough kid and he fights i don't i'm not saying i don't know enough about the way biz fought but and but and i know that he was a really tough guy but the longer the arm i have long arms for a small guy i got really long arms but but i also i the, the longer the arms for guys, I fought in tight, so it made it more more complicated for the guy mm-hmm. with the long arms. So if I was fighting those guys like Rick Tockett and, you know, that ripped punches both hands, they were tough. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like guys like Ty Domi, tough guy. So when you were fighting those those guys that were compact and could rip them with Wendell Clark, like I didn't fight Wendell, him and I were best friends. Mm-hmm. But if you've watched any Wendell Clark clips, or like get that all heart video of Wendell Clark's. Yeah, you would never fight him. Really? If oh my God, if you if you just Google that all Wendell Clark all heart and you watch the video, you'd be like, okay, well I'm never going near this guy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm and you know so like guys like that, I would rather fight a big, tall, lanky guy. I tell Stu Grimson all the time, I'm like, you're 0 for 12 against me. Yeah. And you and you, you know you were and he just laughs all the time about it because he a funny story about him was. Uh, he he sent he sent me uh, a little message when I first came in the league. He, we got in a fight, and 
he he didn't do great in the first one, and he came out in the second one, and he and he just was like mad. It was like it was like now it's best of seven, and he got me and he broke my nose. So our trainer, not having it all together, runs down to their room and says, "Hey, I need a doctor. Chase's nose is broken. You're playing with a straw right now. I'm yep. going to tell you what happened." He took two straw that sticks like that. Yeah. Have you seen this happen? No. And they shove them up your nostrils, oh, right? No. And they and they set your nose. Oh. Now they set my nose, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, and and it was like the first time I ever had my nose broken. I mean, it hurt like hell. Yeah. But I could breathe again and everything, and the blood's pouring out of me. But the doctor goes back and says, "Yeah, Stu, you broke Chase's nose." <laughs> so he lines up at me with a face-off, and he's like six, whatever, six, and he just takes his elbow and goes. Wham, and he puts my nose right under my eye again. Oh, like literally smashes my face with an elbow at the face off before the puck drops. I just buckled. I went berserk. Water your eyes. Had, oh my god! Third fight. We had three fights in Salt Lake in the, in a game, and we played them. We came out there and we had a Thursday game and a Saturday Sunday game in Salt Lake. We played them three times in a row. Wow! Oh my god! And so me and Stu had a little acquaintance. I think it was like five times. In that weekend, we, we fought. I tell Stu all the time, you're 0 for 12. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I mentioned the uh, the alumni game that's going to be taking place, and it's January 23rd. It's going to be at Centene. And, Chaser, just, just give our listeners a little idea of what's going into this because it's a part of the All-Star weekend, and there are some incredible names that are going to be playing in this. There's great players that are playing in it, but what I love, like like Dougie Waite the other day, he's coming. He goes, I'm going to come back. I'm, I'm going to play in this game. I'm going to try and play in this game. And I said, Well, 39 will finally handle the puck well again in St. Louis. <laughs> but like guys like Dougie Waite playing in it means a lot to us. Our NHL Alumni Association league wide board of governors meetings on during the all-star so we've got all 31 teams represented at the all-star game that's awesome and so a lot of these guys are going to play in the game so like george peros is playing bissonette's playing you get a lot of guys from different places around the league that are playing and then of course you've got our blues contingent of alumni that are playing as well but most importantly you've got all these great hall of famers in town they're like hey we're just going to come so you got you know pronger and mckinnis who are not playing but they're coming and you got you got Gretzky, and you got Hall, and you got Stasny, and you got Federico, and you got Carbono. I think Carbo might play. But you've got all these guys that are coming out to the game, and we're going to do the introductions, and we're going to have, I would assume there would be 70 NHL, former wow. NHL players wow. that will be at this game. Joe, I know you, we just talked about it. You, you're going to make it out there. We'll be out there. And even though we're not playing, it's a it's a fraternity that you that, that I'm extremely proud of. And I, I was going through some of the numbers the other day with Glenn Healy, because of our executive board with the NHL. Just imagine, there's only 7,500 guys in over 100 years, only 7,500 guys that have played one game in the NHL. Amazing. So not to deter the the parents of these young kids that are aspiring to play in the NHL because you want them to have those those goals and those aspirations, but it's really hard. Sometimes you've got to realize, just let your kid have fun a little bit because 7,500 people only in over 100 years have, have played one game in this league pretty impressive group of guys we got coming in hell yeah i mean no question with that and the tickets are available for it too at ticketmaster.com but one of the one of the players that obviously made it to the nhl uh david perron chaser you've seen this kid come up in this organization as a rookie uh you've seen him uh blossom i mean his third run with the st louis blues now playing i think his best hockey of his career and and to tag along with that all-star in my my opinion the biggest snub and i don't say this biasly because i'm with the blues but i think it was the biggest snub next to brad marchand yeah. in the National Hockey League as far as not making the All-Star game. What what have you seen, and, and why do you think it's so important that the fans go out and vote David Prawn in? Well, not only do I think they're going to – I think he's going to get in. I think something happens where it works out when it's that big a deal. There will be a re- – I don't know – I don't want to wish an injury on anybody, obviously, or anything on that team. But you, you can't tell me this guy doesn't belong in the league. Yeah. Now, we love him because we're the only team that's ever signed him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> Three times. <laughs> but, but we love him, and he's and he has earned that respect. And, and for the success they've had this year with Vladdy out, there's been such timely goals by David this year. And you guys witness it every night. The goals that are scored in the timely fashion that they score them on, um, I mean, absolutely, absolutely impressive the season that he's had.
That's Kelly Chase, former St. Louis Blues, with Joe Vitale and Alex Ferrario here at the Las Vegas Golden Knights practice facility as we are here for the Blues practice before they play the Golden Knights tomorrow. When we come back, David Perron, Joe Curbs and I already talked David Perron not being in the All-Star game, but we'll get Kelly Chase's thoughts on David Perron's season next here on 101 ESPN. Back in on this week in hockey, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale, and we are joined by Kelly Chase talking about the alumni All-Star game, which will be in St. Louis. Plenty of Blues and NHL alumni in action over at Centene, and that is on January 23rd, and you can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. And you also talk about the All-Star game, and David Perron not in the All-Star game. Chaser, um, I talked to Craig Berube in the locker room after or before the last game, and he said something about David Perron. He goes, you know, I've noticed in him, and I've only been with him a short while, but from what I've heard about David Perron when he started in the league and now where he's at now, he talked about the growth, the growth of a player. You see it, you see it a lot in the National Hockey League as far as players growing. Um, speak about that in your own personal uh, perspective about when you came to the league and what you were about and maybe what you've learned from the veterans and then maybe the days you exited the league and maybe kind of sum up the growth that David Perron is probably going through right now. Well, it isn't. It, it's just It's just like driving. I use this analogy all the time. It's like being down an old country road. Like once you drive down it enough times, you know where the rock is that's on the side of the road. You know where that tree stump is where you got to kind of go around it. You know, like you just sort of navigate easier, okay? It doesn't make the league any easier. It's just that you know where there's going to be slides and how to get your game and, and be on an even keel. I remember coming in the league and everything happened to me so fast. Like I was like, oh, my God, it's happening so fast. You know how this is. Like you, you feel more pressure than there probably actually is. And, and then when you realize – once you get the hang of it, you realize it's an easier league to play in from an actual structural standpoint than the minors and oh, juniors sure. are. Big time. Be- be- because everybody doesn't, you don't, when you're in the minors, it's a little bit more chaos. There's people trying to do jobs or, you know, are they, they think they got overcompensated or they're not as highly, you know, skilled or, or, or as hi- highly, that the high intelligence, hockey IQ, for, I hate using that word because that's a couple of guys that, Anyways, I don't like these. I hate using the hockey IQ, but, but their hockey sense is just not the same level. And I believe that when you're in the NHL, once you learn to just get the heart rate down, it, it becomes easier for you, right? So David Perron now, he's got a sense of swagger out there because he's like, hey, I've done this already. I've been at, look at, and not only that, they've got a recipe with the group that, that they don't get rattled. They, they just went from last to win the cup. Okay, so they got the recipe, right? But so now for a guy like like Perry, he, he, he can go on the ice and he can bring his heart rate back down in a hurry where he's like, I, I, I've, I've done this already. I've got this. I've scored overtime goals. I've, I've won cup. I've, I've done all these things. I'm going to concentrate on just staying within myself, not worry about everything else. Because yeah. those other distractions when you're a kid, you're looking around and everything's happening fast. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you another thing that I think is real important because what happens when you get when you mature in this league and sometimes it takes guys right till the end of their career to realize that you don't look around and enjoy it enough. Big time. Yep. You, you know, I remember uh, uh, Brad McCrimmon making a few of us young guys, and I want to say Jeff O'Neill was one of them, but I remember him making us go out on the bench and sit at a, in, on the bench in a ceremony in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what it was for, but I remember Jean Beliveau walking out on the ice and Guy Lafleur walking out on the ice on this carpet. And nobody does ceremonies better than the Montreal Canadiens. And he said, take a look around and enjoy this because this is going to be gone in a hurry. Now, this guy had played, Beast had probably played 14 years in the league already, 15 maybe. And he was telling us, young guys, you come out and enjoy this stuff. doesn't matter it's in Montreal. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is how you, this is the memories that you're, because it will be over in a hurry. And that's how, when you look around, and I think that's what David Perron's doing. I think he's looking around and going, I got this because I can get my, you know, my pulse down to enjoy it. And I'm taking a look around and I'm going to make the most of it. You know, I had one of those aha moments at the Enterprise Center a few weeks ago, uh, Kelly, because they do. They hit you every now and then like, God, I, I miss it. And I right. wish I would have enjoyed it more. The boys yeah. were playing sewer ball right by the Zamboni yeah. door. And they're kicking in. They're laughing and just hysterical with each other. And, and you miss you miss being a part of that. You miss being a part of the laughs. And, and the biggest thing you miss, and, uh, you know, obviously you were in this in position that I'm in now, which you get, stay in the game. 
game. But with hockey, you don't have to grow up. No, and, and that's the best, the best part about it. And that's what I miss it it, as a player. But I'm so lucky now you can still be a part of it. But as a player, you're right. Yeah. The guys are 30. They got kids, man. They're over there just you know f-bombing this and just jack- jocking around with this and throwing it's, footballs it's, it's before the, games. It's kicking the most soccer fun, balls. Man. Well, I was t- I was t- talking. Mike, I called Army this morning. I got some stuff to do here with the league, and we have sponsors in town. And I've got you know, so I was lucky. And Army's so great. He just goes. I go, hey, I don't want to impose, but, you know, I'm here. Like, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I, if can I catch a ride out with the bus? He goes, absolutely. You're part of the team. And it just makes you feel good to hear that. And I'll tell you my, my like, when it just, the dagger for me really just stung. And it was the very, it, I cried like a four-year-old when I when I retired. Like, I, I didn't want anybody at the house. I did the press conference thing. I was going to be Curbs' partner. I don't know if I was crying because I was Curbs' partner. <laughs> but anyways, I got Joey off. can answer to that now. <laughs> I, got, yeah. I, got, I got the press conference done on the phone, and I just was crying. Like, I was in my cottage at the lake. Everyone was out on the water. They were listening on the on. The, on the radio, you know, and up in Saskatchewan, they got it on the on the internet radio or XM or something, and they, and I was just crying. I was crushed, but I wanted to. I knew I had to move on. It was time, right? The moment that it punched me in the mouth was the very first game we played, and we went on the road in Phoenix, and all I could I was I all I I didn't know where anyone was. I was like walking around, and we were staying at the Ritz in. Uh, in Scottsdale, and the Mortons is right there. And I walked, went for a walk, and all of the guys, the team had a team dinner. Larry Plow had organized, and I wasn't included in it. It was just, and, he, and I, I don't love this about what he did, but it was everyone in the organization except Curbs and I. Wow. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It hurt. It hurt because I wasn't a part of that group. It pissed me off that he didn't include Curbs and I. But... Like, like a shot in the nose from but, Stu Grisner. Right, yeah. right. He never hit me. Come on. He's like, he was 0 for against He's 0 for 12. Yeah. But, but honestly, that, that, was the, that was the moment where, but, you know, I look down on the ice. Like, I don't ever miss playing until the playoffs, really, or real, you know, high, intense games. And the other thing is I can tell you is is that you don't miss the game as much as you miss the guys. You yep. hit the nail on the head. You don't, you don't miss the game. Like, the games are fun. But, but I will tell you, from my perspective, the only place that I'm truly comfortable in my life, in my skin and everything, where I'm 100% confident and comfortable is in that 200 by 85 box. People yeah. are like, were you nervous in overtime? I'm like, well, first of all, usually I'm not on the ice. <laughs> so you're feeling good in OT. Don't bother me. <laughs> and secondly, it's the only place where you're not nervous yep. is when you're playing, right? It's the only place you're really comfortable but do you miss the game? You miss the guys. Like Joey said, the guys kicking the soccer ball around. That's why our alumni is so great. That's why our alumni locker room is such an important piece of keeping our group together is because you can go in there, and whether you put the gear on or not, it's your team. You can go in there, and the same BS is going on, the same little jokes, the same lines, the same, you know, the beers after guys skate or the coffees after they skate in the morning and the and the and leaning on one another for help or, or guiding, that's what's the most important thing. And it, it's weird, but when you when you have had an itinerary since you were five years old and you know where you're going to be five months down the road when you look at it in August after the teams are picked, mm-hmm. you've been programmed your whole life to do one thing. And when it leaves you, it hurts because you've been doing something for 30 years or 25 years. You don't know anything else. Right. Mm. Well, Kelly Chase, it's awesome to have the chance to talk with you about this. And, again, it's January 23rd, the All-Star alumni game that will be taking place at Centene, and the tickets are at Ticketmaster.com. Right, and there's a luncheon at Anheuser-Busch in the afternoon was a Hall of Fame lunch, and I should mention that because those Hall of Famers that will be there will be uh, Federico, Peter Stastny, Gretzky, uh, Hull, yeah. um, Pronger, McInnes, Carbonyl Brodeur. Yeah. So if, you can't, if you can't get a <laughs> charge drop. out of that, I just name dropped. <laughs> Man, Repeat he, those, please. He did his ultimate panger yeah. right there. Yeah. Oh, boy. Sorry, you lost me at Federko and Stastny, and then I'm like, wait, wait, who? I was I was caught on those two. And if you're not impressed by those names, just know that Peter Stastny had more points than, I think, wait, more points than Wayne Gretzky in the 90s. Wow. There you go. That's my Pistol drop. Pete. My Pistol drop. Pete. <laughs> my I played moment. with every one of those guys except Marty. Let me think about that for a second. Bernie, Al, Prongs, Holly. Oh, I didn't play with Gretz. Gretz. Uh, uh, but Marty. So I played with Carbo. Yeah. I got a, I got the whole. But you played against him, which is. I played with him. 
almost. Oh, yeah, you played with them. But the I ones that you, oh, yeah, I the ones you didn't play with, against. you played against, which is just as cool. Right, just tells you how old I am. That's all that does, okay? <laughs> Not where I was going with that, but I understand. Chaser, it's great <laughs> to see you in Vegas, man. Enjoy Love the rest guys. of this weekend, man. All right. Thanks, I know you guys will be bringing this up leading up to it, but make sure you can get tickets to the luncheon or the game yeah. uh, at Ticketmaster. And, and, you, and there's a limited amount for that luncheon with that group of guys. So that's a, that's a heck of a group. Oh, no question. We'll be plugging that again. It's Ticketmaster.com. That's Kelly Chase, Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario with you. We'll take a break. We'll come back for more on This Week in Hockey here on 101 ESPN. Well, that sound means it is time for one of my favorite segments here on This Week in Hockey. It's What's Up With That. Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you as a couple of random storylines in the NHL, which always makes us turn our heads. And so Joe and I thought we'd have a little fun with this one. Joe, first things first, the Winter Classic, of course, was on Wednesday, and it was the Dallas Stars beating the Nashville Predators. Fun game. I'm sure you caught a little bit of it, but really, really interesting game watching two Central Divisions go head-to-head. But what I thought was more entertaining was... Corey Perry getting ejected, what, not even three minutes into the game from an elbowing call, which I think they said no further suspensions would be taking place for him. So that goes to tell you it was a joke. But what was more embarrassing for Perry was that long walk (laughs) that he had to go from the rink all the way to the locker room. This poor guy. (laughs) I'm not going to call Corey Perry poor, but uh, but this poor soul, let's just call him that, um, he spends months prepping for this game i mean i i played in a stadium series game winter classic uh, we went to chicago and played at soldier field alex it, it's months of prep uh tickets for family uh you get the, the coats the hats you get the pictures the family skates the day before i mean the travel i mean they wear cowboy suits on the way to the game i mean so much <laughs> goes into ties. This. it's like first shift he gets booted and talk about a walk of shame uh what's even sadder for cory berry is uh two games from now that he goes back to anaheim yep. he's gonna make his return and uh we do expect a suspension for Corey Perry. Yep. I'm thinking around the three-game mark. I, I can't imagine it being over five, yep. but uh, he, he'll have to wait to make his Anaheim return to the last You know what season. was worse about it was they took a team picture on the ice afterwards, and Perry wasn't in the picture. Uh, no, He's man. in the locker room. That's oh, that's rough. Another one that was really funny, and there's a video of this, and look, the Carolina Hurricanes do it right. They, they, they incorporate their fans. They have fun on the ice. They have fun off the ice, but the video came out after they played a game on New Year's Eve. They won, and then Rod Brindamore in the locker room is giving this really great speech saying how great they were. And then he said, oh, yeah, no practice tomorrow. And they unloaded. If you want to see what pure joy is by grown men who don't have to practice the next day, that's what it looks like. Those are the greatest three words spoken in this sport of hockey. No practice tomorrow. <laughs> when a coach would say that. Because there's some days that in the schedule you know are given off. You know, uh, By CBA rules, you have to have one day off a week. So players do understand. They know that they're coming. But those random days where the coach just kind of says it after a game, uh, the emotions are already after a win. You're feeling good about yourself. Uh, everyone's in a good mood. And then for the coach to lay that out there, I wish coaches did that more often. I wish coaches put days off more on the line as a motivational tool for players because I know if my coach would have done that, I would have gone the distance for him even more so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's great to see the emotion there. Joel Edmondson in that video as well, he was super pumped up. So they put a list out on NBC of the top ten worst jerseys of the decade which one do you feel like was number one joe oh worst jerseys of the decade. worst N- nhl teams of course of the decade oh man where do you even begin there's some been some terrible there have been some ones. brutal ones uh so so I, I want you to guess the the worst one of the decade and the best one of the decade um okay the best one from now these aren't aren't winter classic special third jerseys in general in general uh it's the chicago blackhawks the best no new york rangers no. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. So, so this is this is Winter Classic. This is a oh. This is Stadium Series. Stadium as well. Series. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were so talking this about is, this is all jerseys that we've seen. Okay. Uh, I, you know what? I really love the Nashville Predators jerseys this year. I thought they were slick. I thought they kind of had a uh, uh, retro Michigan State look to yep. them. I was a big fan of those. I know it's pretty recent, but those are probably my favorite of the last. Decade. Number four on their top five best. Okay. Number one, the Arizona Coyotes retro ones goes back to the '90s. Oh, the old Phoenix yeah. oh, Coyotes yeah. jerseys. I wore that jersey. That's I, a great jersey. I love those jerseys. It's a great jersey which one was not on the top five which should have been uh the powder blue for the Pittsburgh Penguins oh, oh these uh the, the vintage the alumni the St. Louis Blues jerseys yeah, I couldn't good. believe that that wasn't on there yeah those were good man yeah I, I like those a lot though you know the powder blue for me though I, I I just I think it needs to be a little lighter I love what the Penguins yeah. did in their first stadium series there when you know Sid scored in the Buffalo and the shootout on 
I believe it was Miller, yep. if I had to guess right. It was. But uh, to me, if you're going to do a baby blue, you got to do a little bit lighter. But I do love the blues ones. The worst nice. one was the Columbus Blue Jacket Stadium Series, oh, where it was worst. the cannon and blue in the circle. It looked like they were trying to copy what Pittsburgh did with their baby blues. They were bad. Yeah. I, you know, I did like the Dallas Stars this year, though, too. They kind of had the North Stars kind of feel to They looked like pajamas bit. to me. Yeah, they looked like bit. pajamas to me. See, I hated I hated the uh, Winnipeg ones. Oh, yeah, the Winnipeg year. ones were ugly, too. Yeah, those yeah. were ugly. Calgary's were bad. That's the best part about hockey. You just keep getting different jerseys, yep. and they just find out which one's better or which one's worse. Joe Vitale, man, it's, it's one, it's great to be in Vegas with you. It's two, it's great to do this week hockey in vegas with you alex you got the number one star today because of that leather jacket that's right baby i told you i could work that leather jacket that's joe vitale he and chris kerber will have puck drop tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon that is three o'clock against the golden knights in st louis i will have your mitsubishi electric pregame show starting at two o'clock our bmw of west st louis pregame skate at 2 30 thank you for joining us tonight stick around behind the bench with john kelly is next here on 101 espn peloton let's go this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.